0: What's going on everyone? Coach Daniel Diaz here with you again and welcome back to another episode of the Breaking Barriers Basketball Podcast. My guest for today's episode is founder and head coach of We Are One Hoops and varsity assistant girls basketball coach at Fairmont Prep, Coach Josh Lozano. I met Coach Josh, believe it or not, uh, through the power of social media, through Instagram. Um, I reached out to him a year or two ago after following his program these past few years uh, because I loved seeing what he was doing uh, with his program and developing the youth. I wanted to learn more about We Are One Hoops and and how he's been able to do what he's been doing. Uh, You can tell the passion he has in building positive relationships with his players and that stems to even off the court. He played a big part in my vision and what I wanted to do here with Breaking Barriers Basketball, and I can't thank him enough for laying down the foundation on what it takes to use basketball as a vehicle to help provide for opportunities on and off the court. In today's episode, we talk about the importance of youth development, his basketball program We Are One Hoops, and how basketball has made him who he is today, as well as Kobe Bryant tidbits that you'll want to hear. With that being said, let's get to my conversation with Coach Josh Lozano. Thank you, Coach Josh, for taking the time and joining me for today's episode of the Pod. Um, how has things been going on during this pandemic and what's it like over in California right now?
1: Uh, thank you for having me first of all. Um, the pandemic for me, it's actually been good. you know I've, I've been using this time to, uh, to be a better person and be a better coach and trainer. You um, can see as two ways. like you could easily use COVID and then the break as uh, something that could hinder you and slow you down something that you can have a lot of time to benefit yourself or others. Um, and I'm a silver lining kind of guy. So I, I try to say the best in things. So um, yeah, man, I've been using this time to to, to get better myself uh, individually. And we'll go over that in a little bit through mm-hmm. these next questions. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, any any new hobbies or activities you've been able to get into with this extra time? Because I've, I've seen you starting to work out with uh, uh, Dr. Dunks through social media. How has that been?
1: Good man. So during during COVID I've um started working out a lot lately. Like mm-hmm. I bought a bunch of kettlebells and got into that. Uh it's a new hobby I picked up. I started biking a lot. I bought a new bike.
2: Mm, uh,
1: nice, yeah. I taught myself how to swim, so that was cool. Just a lot of active stuff and yeah. outdoor stuff. Um and with Doc Jones, it has been great. And he's he's a really good trainer um and PT guy. He's we're in the lab with um about four or five of us between like varsity guys, college guys, and pro guys that are all nice. just hungry.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, the main thing for me is that while well, I'm learning a lot, he's teaching me a lot of things mm. that I've never known before. He's helping us, uh, connect our, our brain activity to the, like athletic performance,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, teaching us a lot of new things. So, uh, the, the training has been really good in the sense that I'm working on muscles or, or movements that I haven't done before. Mm. And I've, I've been pretty active athletic my whole life, but he's taken it to a whole new level. Yeah. Um uh, it's cool seeing like the, the guys I've been working with have dunked the basketball. <laughs> um in June, they were like touching like ten two and ten three. Now they're at like ten seven, ten eight. Um even me myself, you know, I'm thirty years old and I came in with a bird of like I think it was like twenty eight inches. And now it's at yeah, now it's at like thirty three, thirty four, like okay. in the span of like a month mu- a month and a half.
0: Yeah, yeah man. So wow. he does he
1: does wonders. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that that's the, real the game changer for the next coming generation is strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone's doing basketball training. You know, everyone has their trainer and their coach and their club mm-hmm. and stuff, but not everyone's doing real strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just pumping iron and
2: mm-hmm. squatting
1: heavyweight and benching heavyweight. It's very, very detailed. So yep. it's been helping a lot. Exactly. And I love it. We, we go uh, three times a week. So I look forward to nice. it every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'll be going there right after this, actually.
0: That's solid. That's solid. And that's a great point that you bring up because – uh, myself, I'm actually a strength and conditioning coach as well, and that's another passion of mine. And the fact that you said it's this, how it's changing—it's not just pumping iron, it's not just bicep curls, getting the biggest arms and stuff. It's it's training movements and how you can be better on the court, and it's not just trying to look better. Because no matter how you train, you're going to look better, you're going to get muscled, you're going to tone or whatever. But the way that yeah. you train, the way you train those movements, is really what you're going to see on the court. So that's also 100%, yeah,
1: for real. Yeah, and um, there were um, Kyle and Drew, his uh, one of our. Another training at Cyprus. They've been in strength and conditioning for the past, I think, three years, okay. and um the kids were lifting throughout the whole throughout the whole season. You know, mm. different phases of course, but mm. the longevity of our players, like we made it to the playoffs for the past, I think, three or four years, and like no serious injuries. And knock on wood, but it's like the stuff they're doing, banded stuff, and injury prevention and longevity. It was great yeah. to see, like. Normally, people taper off like midseason. They stop hitting weights or they stop doing exercises, but they kept going, man, and it, it really prevailed. I mean, you know, you yeah. can really see a difference.
0: Exactly, that's awesome. Yeah. So, on a previous po- podcast, you were on the Feed the Fam with uh, Coach Kerry Carter. Um, I heard you talk about your journey as a coach, how it started more as a youth development. Um, rather than coaching and player development initially. And can you kind of talk about what you meant and the difference between those two, between youth development and uh, coaching slash player development?
1: Yeah, for sure. Like, when I first moved here to Long Beach, my first job was, not first, but one of the first jobs I had was at the Boys and Girls Club, but I was always in school. So it really was youth development, just in general. So I was, like, tutoring kids, like, teaching kids how to read and do math, um, like, doing PE with them. Uh, teaching them about healthy habits so it's really about like an all-encompassing development mm-hmm. you know of their life uh, as opposed to just basketball mm-hmm. um, but the, the area uh, I was working at was uh, it was kind of in the hood it's like Kings Park
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, so the demographic was different and in that sense like uh, with that youth it was hard to connect with them to like get them to like study or open up mm-hmm. um, talk about their feelings or their home stuff just on general like platform but when it came to basketball, um, whether the kid was good or, or they were bad. And we were in the gym, they, they got more comfortable, Mm -hmm. you know? So through basketball, I was able to connect with the youth, you know, and then, um, that's when the impact really happened, Mm -hmm. you know? So I realized, um, my connection with youth is through basketball. Mm -hmm. And then I started coaching and then training more. And then, um, I was working with my kids on the basketball court. So that's when the, the player development got into um, the basketball player development started growing on me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So there, there is a big difference. I would say I'm more of youth development as opposed to player development mm-hmm. because I like seeing that more. Yep. To be honest, like the ball's is gonna stop bouncing at one point in their lives, mm-hmm. whether it's um, a short career because they don't make it, or they get injured, uh, or they just quit, you know, or they find a different passion. Mm-hmm. It's gonna stop bouncing, and it's like, who are you after that? Mm-hmm. You know, so. I think it's our job as coaches, you know, any kind of coach really, or mentor sport, or, you know, it could be like reading or writing or, you know, instruments mm-hmm. or strength conditioning. It's our job really to help mold these kids. Cause yeah. number one, um, when they're with us, they're usually in a space that they enjoy, you mm-hmm. know, like if they're in the weight room, they probably like being in the weight room. If they're on the basketball court, they most likely like being there. You know, mm-hmm. if they're on the soccer field, they probably like being there. And that's when it's easiest to to connect with people when they're at a, at a happy place, mm-hmm. you know, when they're somewhere they don't want to be, you know, or a mental space they don't want to be at, it's hard to connect with them and get them to open up, mm-hmm. you know. So, like I said, it's important for us as uh, adults to really connect with them at that level. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's where that, that main difference is.
0: That's awesome. And in that, in that podcast that uh, that I'm referring to, you also talked about, um, and this is a point that I wanted to bring up, you also talked about the difference between how you guys um, get ready for falling forward it's not necessarily falling back if, if basketball doesn't work out then it's like oh man what's my next step what do I gotta do uh, uh, I don't know what to do so this doesn't work out I gotta find something whereas what you were talking about um, in that pod was um, falling forward and setting up those individuals for what's gonna happen after basketball because like you said sooner or later the basketball is gonna is only going to take you so far and it's on it's uh, it, it's it, it, what's something that you guys have been doing is, is is showing them what's next after basketball and giving them opportunities for what's after that and using basketball as a vehicle so that was just a, a really cool uh tidbit that that you guys talked about in that and that was pretty awesome to hear
1: yeah for sure man and, and Kerry is like he's a really good guy he he's really one to um like he's played you know at the pro level at the collegiate level and mm-hmm. he's coached at the collegiate level and his main thing man is is putting kids through adversity mm-hmm. you know it's like uh, how do you deal with adversity? You know, there are a couple games where you know it's a close game. There's a minute left. We're down by one or two, and he's like, "Should we call a timeout?" And he's like, "No, nah, let them figure it out."
2: Mm.
1: You know, whether mm. they they fail or not, it's just a basketball game. You yep. know, but how would they how will they deal with adversity? Like, are they going to come mm. back the next game ready to rock? Like, yeah. are they going to be all sad? Like, what are they going to do the next day? That's the biggest thing. It's adversity. Everyone's going to face adversity at one point. Um, and the biggest thing that that stuck with me with Carrie was like, adversity builds character. Mm. Yeah. You know, so it's like it's, it's better to go through it. it. It helps you learn things that you never know you had, or brings things at you that you did have. You know, adversity is the, the biggest pillar of that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's what we're looking for in um, these kids. It's like, sure, we we need Plan B and Plan C, but th- those steps are building character. You know, and um fighting through adversity things like that are things that kids can fall forward on you know we want to teach them life lessons on the basketball court Mm -hmm. so when the ball does stop bouncing you know it's like they're prepared for real life you Mm -hmm. know you know uh, applying for jobs or colleges and getting rejected or or getting the big job whatever the case is how are you going to handle it Mm -hmm. you know Uh, we were always big on too is like never be too high never be too low you know um Always maintain your cool in pressure situations. Always maintain your cool when you hit a big-time shot. Always maintain your cool when you airball a game-winning shot. You Mm -hmm. know, got composure and hold yourself, which is big for for kids nowadays. Um, I'm starting to realize as I get older, like, the kids, like, what we teach them really, really molds them. You know, Mm -hmm. as especially young teenagers. You know, for the youth, they say kids are like sponges, you know, like elementary school where – if they see something, they'll pick it up and, and follow it. Or if they learn something, they'll pick it up and they will stick with them. Same thing with middle school kids, and, and high school kids. They'll mm. see that stuff and, and they'll yeah. latch on to it. So we gotta make sure as, you know, um youth development uh adults, we've gotta make sure that they're learning these things that prepare them for the the next step, whatever the next step is. Exactly. Exactly. Uh yeah, so- and then but also all oh, my bad real no, quick going good. back. Um we also started a nonprofit where we were connecting, um, STEM, which is science technology mm-hmm. engineering and math and basketball or sport in general, you know, cause let's face it, like two, 2%, 1% of kids make NBA or, mm-hmm. you know, WNBA, whatever the case is, but they can find a job, you know, within sports, you know, mm-hmm. they can be like a stats guy, a video guy, you know, yep. uh, they can engineer a program that helps with basketball or whatever the case is. Um, so yeah, we, we started a program, um, where, it's a nonprofit, and it teaches kids about careers that they can have through sport but not the actual sport you know what wow. i mean
0: yeah what's uh you what's know, the uh program called
1: it's called uh the, uh, the nonprofit's it's called j legacy foundation okay. it's it's the legacy i'm trying to leave behind awesome. uh with my partner janet um uh, but what we did the you called the ballers and scholars so mm. the last event we connected um circuits and basketball you know it's super interesting so we had like a session by 30 minutes, 45 minutes of building different circuits and then basketball, how they can relate um, circuits and basketball, you know? Mm. So, and another one was actually um, percentages, you know, and, and basketball, you know, how you can use it to your advantage, taking stats and reading stats, understanding stats, you know, those guys are big nowadays, the analytics yeah, and the league for, sure. for all sports, you know? Yeah. Um, and even looking at jobs for Dodgers, I remember last year, they hired like 60 people with a degree in STEM.
2: Mm.
1: You know, mm-hmm. so it's good to give these kids an opportunity because, like I said, basketball is going to stop bouncing at one point, mm-hmm. you know, and you might have to do something else. And we just want to prepare them for that career path. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not only about playing the game, you can still help the game in other ways. Like me, I stopped playing, but I can still coach and train. Exactly. You know, some other kid might be a statistician, you know, in the league or a videographer. As long as you give them different career paths, you know, exactly. we don't want to pigeonhole them to just basketball, just the sport. You no. know, we want to give them different paths.
0: Yeah, that's 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 pretty awesome. That's great to hear and think it's pretty much thinking outside the box and it's not just um using basketball, you know, to get them out of the streets or whatever and get them on the court. It's like we we just said earlier just like giving that fall forward plan and that's great to see that come into fruition.
1: For yeah, uh, I love it, man. It's awesome to see that.
0: Yep. Uh so you guys have been actually getting back in the gym um over there um, getting your kids to do workouts again. What's that like? Being able to get back on the court?
1: Oh man, uh, it's great. Uh, number one, they we, we do follow follow protocols, you know, for COVID. Like mm-hmm. there's uh, the, there's uh, temperature checks, and they can't bring backpacks in, and mm-hmm. it's like you have symptoms, you can't come in. Parents can't come inside. Mm-hmm. You know, we're only allowed like uh, four per basket, so it's pretty distance. Okay. But it's been great, man. Like for me, mentally, it, it's awesome to be back in the gym. I uh, just being on the hardwood but more importantly i love being with the kids and, and you know talking to them and connect with connecting with them and helping them get better and you know talking crap to them and you know praising them giving them a high five it, yeah. it's that, that interaction you can't replace it For you sure. know and that's that's the biggest thing i've realized with covid uh after the first month or so there's a couple parents that hit me up like your coach you know my son or daughter like mentally they're not feeling that well know, mm-hmm. they're missing uh, the competition or being on a basketball course seeing teammates or being coached you know so um, I understand you know COVID is out there but mm-hmm. mental health is also huge too mm-hmm. you know uh, mental health is it, hard to recover from especially at a young age sure. so just being on the court or you know doing conditioning with them you can see them competing with their teammates and it's like it brings a, a joy to them mm-hmm. you know but, but now we're back at it you know it's almost the same kids day in and day out um, going like six days a week couple hours a day So you get to see a lot of growth, you know, the kids get to stay busy, they get to stay healthy, they get to stay in shape. Um, And usually turn their advantage. You know, a lot of the kids have aspirations of, you know, playing college or playing varsity, you know, making varsity their freshman year or whatever the Mm -hmm. case is. So now's a really good time to catch up, you know, I get it, you know, COVID is out there and um, some people don't want to be out and that's Mm -hmm. absolutely fine. Like we're okay with that. Like we'll Mm -hmm. still be here when COVID's done. But the ones that, that want to work out, it's like, hey, let me help you like separate yourself mm-hmm. you know, or, or catch up to the man ahead of you. Mm-hmm. So we've been taking this time to get up a lot of shots. We're getting up nice. a lot, a lot, a lot of shots. Yeah,
0: Nice. So what was it like working with uh, Phil Am Nation Select a few weeks ago and getting to know some of the best Philam basketball players and coaches in California?
1: Oh, man, Phil Am was cool. Yeah. Um, shout out christian gopez he's the, the founder of it um and jeff desato he's the, the camp director they did a really good job um before covid hit man like there was pre-signups and there's probably about like three or four hundred kids mm-hmm. and then after covid hit it got a lot lower but it was great you know to see um all that talent man especially from all over you know from, from this summit that I was there two weeks ago there was like northern california southern california seattle uh, people from Texas, through than California at that time. Yeah, man. Oh, was, wow, everywhere. Okay. Yeah. So this last one was a summit. So it was gonna be huge, but then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's cool seeing everyone get together. You know, Filipinos love basketball. That's the <laughs> yeah. one thing about good thing about it's Filipinos, like, like for real, man. <laughs> you can bring the community together through basketball.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You know. Um. So it, it's really cool. It was really cool to see like talented boys and girls. Uh, elementary middle school high school um, they even had coaches in the philippines watching the whole goal is is oh. to open up um, different um, opportunities for kids here mm-hmm. to go back to go back home to the philippines and do uh basketball mm-hmm. you know whether high school college or pro um it's, it's just great to see the, the community come together from, from all over um people would be amazed at the talent that that was there like all ages you know boys and girls like Filipinos got some gems, man. Like the yeah. love that they have for the game really, 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 really shows. Mm-hmm. You had um, a couple of eighth graders that were dunking already, a couple of freshmen that were dunking already. It was dope. Wow. It was great, great to see.
0: Yeah. And it's, what's even yeah. greater is you see kids are going to start to see some representation. Even I know Jalen Green's only half, but him being there, Kai Soto, it's only going to just evolve the sport and, and the tradition of Filipino basketball in the future, and that's going to be great to see.
1: Yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm excited for the future. To be honest, I, I think um, I don't know what it is in the water, but like Filipinos are getting taller now. Like <laughs> they're getting more looks now, so it- it- yeah. it- it's really cool to see. Um, actually, two of the guys that I work out with are Filipino: uh, Chris Rosales, he plays in the PBA, and Jared Brown, okay. plays at Westmont. Uh, yeah. They're killing it, man! Like awesome. they're um, like undersized guards, but they're killing it out there. Like they're repping for the for the Filipinos and holding it down. Um, yeah. So it's just really good to see firsthand, man. It's awesome.
0: For sure, for sure. Um, in that previous podcast I was talking about, that Feed the Fam episode, um, you also explained how you went from um, about to play basketball at the JUCO level and wanting to become a lawyer as your career, uh, but then ultimately ended up to where you are now as a basketball coach and development coach. Um, can you talk about that notion that you have to have had played basketball at the highest level uh, to be a good basketball coach and what you think about that sentiment?
1: Yeah, man. I um, never really thought about it too much, but off the top of my head, like, just because you play at the highest level doesn't mean you, you'll be the best coach, you know. It's because, like, you've, you've got your master's degree, like, at whatever subject it is, that doesn't mean you'll be the best teacher at it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't play at the highest level, and, you know, I've um, had an opportunity to coach at the collegiate level. They never asked, what level I played at, mm-hmm. you know, when I applied at Cypress High School, they never asked what level I played at, mm-hmm. um, at when I applied my new job at Fairmont, the what level I played at. Mm-hmm. So really, I think it's about what you can do to, to get the best out of your players. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what's your connection level? Like, can you get the best out of your uh, boys or girls? Can you get the best out of your high school guys? Can you get them to max out? Can you get them to give their best? You know, that's what it really comes down to um how you connect and what you can get out of your guys you mm-hmm. know and i don't think and i think playing at a certain level does help that you know yeah. some kids love seeing guys that played in the, in the league and you know play the nba and they, they connect that way
2: mm-hmm.
1: um for me i connect with the people on a um, more personal level mm-hmm. you know so they' um it helps build trust you know and builds a relationship where they can give their all and not feel worried or concerned um of what's going to happen you know so mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing. You you don't need to play at the highest level, man. It's just, mm-hmm. do you know the game? You know, for me, I think X's and O's are pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can just learn it. You can just read it and watch videos and read books and, you know, watch games and then pick up X's and O's where you like and don't like. Uh, but for me, I think uh, the term I use, it's like take Jimmies and Joes over X's and O's, mm-hmm. right? So I'll take, mm-hmm. I'll take my players over the plays, mm-hmm. which is more important because it goes back to player development and character development. But for me, can you get your guys to do what you want them to do, right? Exactly. Like you can, you, you want to get a layup, you know, we need to run this little backdoor play or whatever the case is. Do your players trust you enough to run it? You know, did you teach them well enough to understand it? You mm-hmm. know, things like that is what it really comes down to. Um, yeah. So I really think you need to play at the highest level. Like, I don't, like Eric Spolscher didn't play at the highest level. I don't think Stan and Van Gundy or Jeff Van Gundy did.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Um, a lot of the guys are going to play at the highest level but, that, that are really good tacticians of the game, you know, so,
2: yeah.
1: uh, really, I think if you have a passion for it and then you, you're really good at it, it'll it'll definitely help.
2: Exactly.
0: Exactly. Couldn't have uh, seen it better.
1: Yeah. And for me, you know, there, there are some things that, that I missed from, uh, not playing the highest level, you know, whether it's drills or the intensity they need or things like that. But, you know, I have guys that I can, I can reach out to and, exactly. and ask and, or they can show me or they can show up to our practice. For me, I have no problem asking for help or questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a growth mindset you know in a sense where it's like I'm always trying to get better so I I mean I have the humility to say hey I'm not good at this like I need to figure out how to do it you know I didn't play at the pro level so let me ask a pro what they what they were doing at that level exactly you know so I I think that's what it really comes down to is having the humility to be open to want to learn these kind of things
0: Mm -hmm. Um, and that's that's the biggest thing I see a lot in some coaches or people that's trying to get up and doesn't have to do basketball is their ego is just so there that they think that um, they should be able to know everything. So they don't really reach out to, to know more and keep, and when, if they do get to a, a let's say a top position, um, then they don't want to keep trying to strive for more. So that's, that's a great point that you that you just said.
1: Yeah, it's hard, man. Like the game is evolving so much, you know, it's like got to keep up with the times
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and there's a lot of people that don't want to adapt or change. You know, they, they kind of fall behind. Exactly.
0: Um, so so moving on to um, the next topic, it's it's your organization, We Are One Hoops. And um, I wanted to get you on this pod because I've been following what you've been doing with your program, um, even before you started this organization that you're with right now, even when you're with your previous program, and how you've been positively shaping the youth like we talk about through the game of basketball. Um, I've told you this before, but seeing your program into where it is now essentially – um, helped me realize I wanted to do the same in Virginia. So watching you all the way through the power of social media in California um, kind of made me want to do my thing over here. Um, can you briefly give the listeners, for those who don't know, what exactly um, We Are One Hoops is and how you yeah, um, man. and ha- how your program came about and how uh, you have gotten to where it is today?
1: For sure. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate all that. Um, we Are One is a youth development basketball club. Uh, it's pretty much we do a travel ball um all over from all ages like elementary all the way to varsity uh it's pretty much a club like i said boys and girls we, we travel and compete um and we're at all different levels um like we have varsity teams that are really good and we got a girls national team and we have development teams um it's just a, a core community of people that really have bought into what we're what we're selling, not even selling, but what we're offering, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and all we're offering really is, is just a, a community of people that love the game and that want to prepare the child for the next step in life, mm-hmm. you know, which is it could be freshman basketball or it could be a career in being a, a doctor or a nurse, you know, mm-hmm. we want to prepare them for those, those life, those life instances that are going to come about, um, through basketball. You know, like I said earlier, uh, I, I can, I found a connection with the kids through basketball and, um, the parents love it. The The best thing about our program is that, uh, I think the majority, uh, hopefully all like trust what we're doing and, you know, they, they don't really question what we're doing. They just support it. You know, it take, takes a village to raise, you know, a young adult mm-hmm. or an athlete. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're very transparent in what we're doing and we're transparent with the players and parents of the expectations or what they're doing good or not doing good. So, um, that's the main thing, man. It's just a community built on uh, accountability, responsibility, and love, you know. Um, and basketball second. Like, it, it's great. Like, basketball's awesome. Like, winning games, losing games, all that stuff. But it's great to see, like, the kids that uh, graduate from our program and graduate from high school that might stop playing basketball. You know, they're either, like, some of my guys are coaching now at the high school level or they're always trying to give back or come back into uh, a We Are One training and help coach and train, you know. So it, it, it's good to see, our guys get older and then try and give back, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. even if it's giving back to a different program or different kids, like it doesn't have to be my program. Like yeah. as long as you get back to someone, then it's a start.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: You know, so we're just trying to break that, not break cycle, but I guess strengthen the cycle of, of people wanting to give back and be better and do better, you know? Mm-hmm. So i um, hoping to spark and like push that change.
0: Yeah. Awesome uh what type of challenges have you had to face with your organization and how have you been able to overcome them
1: uh to be honest like i said i'm a silver lining guy so our, our biggest challenge is really is like where we're gonna have court time which we we usually get that solid okay. um you know do we have enough for a roster or do you have too many um uh, things like that you know okay. i was able to find find the um uh, my business partner Janet too. she was at, she's really good at doing the admin stuff mm. so it's awesome cuz i can just do the basketball, basketball part of it yeah. you know she she does uh, the admin part of it in a sense of you know um delegating to team moms team reps to get waivers birth certificates mm. you know fees nice. and all that stuff jersey collections that's and schedules right and there. communication <laughs> for sure man that's the biggest thing that i realized like a lot of clubs don't do well because someone tries to do it all, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you can't do both. I mean, I guess you can, but for you me, if I did both, I know. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. For me, I know like if I were to do both, I would probably like 50% admin, 50% coaching, you know, so then it'd be hard. Mm-hmm. Like then where do you fit in? Like the community part, where do you fit in the, you know, the, the connection part? Cause mm-hmm. you're doing it all. It's tough. Exactly. So, for me, I can do basketball and I can do the the, um, the culture connection. You know, Janet can do the same thing, but admin and culture connection. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really good um, in that sense. You know, so um, struggles really, man. It's like I'm not in it for the money. You know, yeah. so it's like I'm not worried about that part of it. Um, the struggles really is just really admin stuff. Like, what mm-hmm. tournaments are we gonna do? Uh, how much do we need to pay? You know, like when we travel. Um, where are we gonna stay? Like, uh, when, when we do travel, like we, we travel deep and we stay together. It's like we do like get together at the hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kids and families love that stuff. But you know, setting all that stuff up is the harder stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, for me, like I said, I don't do it for the money. I just do it for the joy of it, the passion. So it it, it makes it really fun and really easy mm-hmm. in that sense. Exactly. You know, so that I think that's the best part is that me and my partner are both able to do what we want to do. You know, so it, we're. When you do what you want to do, it makes things a lot easier and a lot more joyful and a lot more enjoyable. You know, mm-hmm. it's like when you're starting to do something you don't want to do, like when I was working at the law firm, I was like, man, I don't even want to do this today. <laughs> like I'm waking up, like, dang, yeah. got drinking my coffee and like <laughs> look at the clock. And it was dreading, you know, because yeah. of basketball. Like I, the only thing I'm stressed about is like, all right, uh, are we going to win this championship? And then at the end of the day, like, it's only a game. So yeah. it's nothing really to stress about. Yeah,
2: you know, so sure.
1: there's not much to stress about. Um, you know, it just really is um, enjoying it, and th- that's what I, I'm really glad we're able to do. But it sucks right now we can't do it right now. But yeah. you know, so, I'm sure when we come back, it'll we'll come back strong and back in the same mold.
0: Exactly. Um, what are some of the and you kind of touched on this a little bit? Is what are some of the best um, and or rewarding moments you can share as as a coach for your program, either on or off the court?
1: Um, man, it's tough, you know, uh, for me, re- rewarding wise it's definitely, you know, in the, in the moment when we're working on stuff, you know, whether it's a play or an individual move and kids can execute it, mm. you know, that, that, that's big time for me, mm-hmm. uh, because I know how much work the kids put in, you know, into executing or running that play or hitting that shot. And then when they become success successful at it, it that's great to see, um, for me, like a couple of my guys were interested in coaching and training after they graduated. So that was really cool to see the sense that they want to give back.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm. Cause that was, that was my biggest slogan was a uh, desire to inspire, right? Mm. Inspire the next generation to do whatever it is they want to do. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to be a garbage man, be the best garbage man you can be. Mm-hmm. If you want to be a Hooper, be the best Hooper you can be. But whatever you do just be the best at it or mm-hmm. try to be the best at it. You know, so it's good to see when, when kids come back and tell me, Hey coach, I got into this college or I got through this program you know, I got a, like, this is my GPA or I was able to do this thing and give back. You know, those are things that are rewarding for me mm-hmm. um, it's because, you know, th- that's what we're, we're really building up on is success, mm-hmm. you know, and for me, success isn't really like making the big bucks, it's more so about um, being happy with what you're doing, yep. you know, if you're able to sustain and be happy with what you're doing, I think you're successful. So that's, that's my biggest, um, like I, like I call it overtime pay, <laughs> you know, when when kids get to do things they sought out to do, when they have a goal and they reach a goal, yeah. and being helping them, being able to reach those goals is is really um, exciting for me.
0: Yep, um, it, it's it's easy to tell the relationships that you're building and continue to build, um, and and not only with your with your players but with your coaches. But uh, can you talk about the importance of relationship and how it plays in, plays a significance um, on and off the court?
1: Yeah, for me, the relationship that I have with my players, it, it's a really tough one. Um, I'm super mean, but at the same time, I'm super nice. You know, they know like there's a give and take. Um, I have really, really high expectations, mm-hmm. you know, and I put them in, in in positions to either fail or succeed. And when they fail, I'll be there for them. Mm-hmm. And then when they succeed, it's like okay, well, I expect you to do that, mm-hmm. you know. So, but with most of my players, you know, I, I am mean, but there's there's a sense of trust where. Um, they, they, they want to, they know I want the best for them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it may not seem like it in the instant, but I definitely do, yeah. you know? Um, and, and most of the parents know that. And that's why a lot of them stick around is because we're really trying to push them to be their best. You know, yeah. the only reason why we're chewing them out or we're on their butts is because they're not reaching their potential,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know? And that's all we want them to do is help them reach their potential. If your potential is fresh in basketball and that's it, it's all good. If yeah. it's making a pro, then let's get there, mm-hmm. you know? But, you know, for them allowing me to trust, uh, building that trust and relationship, it helps them reach their potential. You know, they they, they feel comfort or they're okay. They feel comfort in being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know, which is the biggest mm-hmm. part. You know, they know that when we do something new, uh, they are going to fail and they're going to They're going to get chewed out. And they're going to yell that, but they're still going to go try it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So having that relationship is big time. And I, I know some coaches don't like having the relationship. They just like being that coach figure. Mm-hmm. But for me, again, like it goes back to a, like, youth development mm-hmm. right and character development mm-hmm. that, that's what, what, what my basis is um and i'm striving for is, is that kind of development so for me you have to have a relationship mm-hmm. otherwise it's kind of empty you know yeah and like this is this is what i do like for, for full time you know all day so it's like i want to have fulfillment in it mm-hmm. you know i don't want to do it just because i'm a coach you know or i'm training i want to do it because i want fulfillment from it you know building that relationship and that network um that culture and the atmosphere of cohesiveness is is really where it's at, um, and like I said, really just trying to push kids to reach their potential, whatever the potential is. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so going off of that, um, can you talk about the significance? And you kind of talked about it in being adaptable as a coach on a personal level, uh, meaning you don't necessarily uh, coach all your players the same because, again, they are all different, and and you have to find what makes them tick as an individual. Can you um, can you expand on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think adapting is the biggest part of life, right? Mm-hmm. Like COVID happens. Like, how are you going to adapt?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you turn the ball over, how are you going to adapt? You know, the, the team double W, how are you going to adapt? So for me, uh, adapting is the biggest thing and um, for life and basketball. Uh, like you said, every kid's different. You got to find out what ticks, like, do they need to be yelled at? Do they need to be like, do they need to be talked to in a different in a different tone? Do they need attention or less attention? Like what gets them going? Like, do you need to give them a high five? You need to just give them a uh, just look at them and they know, uh, you got to figure it out. You know, mm-hmm. I'm big on, on vibes and, you know, feeling those, those things. And I could pinpoint it in, in a lot of my players, um, to see what gets them going. And, I, I, I try to, I try to get them, mm-hmm. you know, right now in training. I love it. Cause I have a lot of guys that are a little older and, um, it's all just talking crap. <laughs> you know, there, there's barely any praise, you know. You know they make search at the free throw line. You know I'm just talking crap to them. You know they they shoot. their 25 shots. They made 20. I'm like you should have made 21. You know um, it's just things like that that get them ticking. But at the same time too, uh, I, I love praising guys and in, in tough situations. You know when they succeed. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me, I, I try to find that um, that that muse where where kids need to find like a rage where they need to master something. Mm-hmm. So if I find it, if I want to find that medium of pushing them to a limit where it kind of sparks them, you know, it like peaks them like where they want to like do a little bit more or like, I want to prove coach Josh wrong. I, I, that's what a bubble I try to find.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I want to fight. I want to like light a flame or a fire to, to fuel kids or athletes to push themselves a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And most times it comes with like a little bit of negative reinforcement, which I'm okay with, you know, I actually love negative reinforcement. Um, for me, it, it, it fuels me a lot. I mm-hmm. mean, um, for these kids, if I tell them, Hey, you need to do better, or you can do a little bit better than that, or you need to push up a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Most times they react well to it, you know, mm-hmm. but in different situations, you know, whether it's a game situation and we're down or we're up, that might not be, um, the best, the best form, you know, to to push them. So I might need to switch it up. So like, like you said, you know, adapting is huge. So it, for me, um, in practices, I'll make really tough situations where they have to adapt, Um, on purpose you know so I'll build adversity on purpose you know the kid the kid will um, travel or whatever and tie game and he makes layup and I won't call a Mm travel. and what will will the kids do Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. guy goes up for a layup clear path doesn't get fouled I'll call a foul shoot some free throws you know in the beginning kids would be pissed off and they would yell or they would look at me and say what Mm -hmm. and then you know I'd I'd punish them make them run or like why are you talking back Mm -hmm. you know deal with it yeah you know so um that was a big part of of our training is putting them through adversity you know and um says in situations where they need to adapt on purpose mm-hmm. you know and it, it's come to uh, a benefit to, to most of them you know you can see it oh. um and some of that carries off the court too you can see it by the way the kids handle themselves and talk and what their parents tell me so uh, i know it's working and those are things that um aren't on the x's and O sheets Mm-hmm. You know they aren't on the drill sheet, you know it's just part of the, the player and character building
0: exactly exactly that's yeah. great uh so uh kind of moving on to the next topic and we're this is when we kind of talk about basketball and and we have a little bit more to talk about as far as your relationship and and how you worked with Kobe and stuff, and that's kind of um what we're gonna talk about but um how has basketball or being an athlete make you who you are today and what has it taught you?
1: oh man um i've been a brown basketball since forever and i think the main thing for me was just being really competitive uh mm-hmm. definitely pushed me to uh um, be the best that i can be you know i was so competitive on the basketball court you know growing up like now it makes me competitive in a sense like i, I want to be the best at character development i want to be the best at mm-hmm. player development i want to be be the best coach so it always pushes me um being competitive i think breeds success you know iron sharp iron, kind of thing exactly. and that's what we strive for it's like let's be competitive and try and win all the drills not for the sake of winning but usually when you win you're you're competing at your best mm-hmm. you know you're competing at, at optimal levels and we want guys to be at optimal levels you know uh, we don't want kids you know um performing at 60 percent, 70 percent. we don't want kids studying at 60 percent, 70 like we don't want kids you know doing laundry 60, 70%. We want them maximizing, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think being competitive really helps that. Mm -hmm. Um, And more importantly, uh, I played point guard growing up. So it was my job to, you know, um, lead a team, Mm -hmm. lead a team and, you know, keep a team cohesive and together and being a leader or taking a step back or, you know, um, those kind of things, you know, those are things that we want to instill in the youth is like, you know, how can you be a leader? How can you not be a leader? How can you take a step up? How can you take a step back? You know, All while being at your best, Yep. you know, so those are things that has helped me um, growing up, you know, whether it's through college, you know, or coaching or um, coaching at the high school level or playing or training, you know, being competitive and and those kind of things are the ones that really get me going um, and shape my life. So um, I want to do the same for, for for the kids coming up in the program is use basketball as a tool for these life lessons. You know, Mm -hmm. like we said, the ball's going to stop bouncing. So, what can you what can you benefit or what can you use that you learn in basketball to benefit your life you know one day you're going to be a father or you're going to be a husband or you're going to be you know a, a teacher or a coach or whatever it is mm-hmm. and how are you going to handle situations how are you going to adapt you know yep. how are you going to be able to perform at optimal levels when you're not feeling good or you're with coworkers or teammates you don't like or bosses or coaches you don't like or you do like how are you going to you know maneuver in those situations mm-hmm. You know, so just teaching kids that they can learn these things through basketball. Um, that's so reflective with my coaches because the, the coaches, you know, that we have believe the same things. So they're putting them through the same adverse situations so they can figure things out. Mm-hmm. You know, and um a couple of these these gems that Kobe covered with me, which we can go over later, but mm-hmm. a lot of his stuff that he told me definitely impacted my youth development path. So yeah, we can go over that in a bit. But mm-hmm. yeah, man, just, just just I would say if there's was one thing it'd be being competitive. Yeah. Because being competitive helps you be at your best. Yep. You know, and if you at your best and you lose, you give it your best. If you have your best and you win, great. Exactly. Yeah, But just give it your best. You can walk away from the game, the job, life, whatever it is, okay. You know, yep. if you didn't give it 100%, you're going to walk away from the game with regret. The mm-hmm. biggest thing you can have is regret. mm
0: mm-hmm. um, So, personally, what types of adversity have you faced with basketball and how are you able to persevere?
1: Um even as a player or as a coach? Uh both. Either or. Yeah, you know, like with being Filipino, it's always a size, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I, I think with that uh helps build grit. Mm-hmm. You know, so you do become feisty and you do become a little more competitive, mm-hmm. you do have a trip mm-hmm. on your shoulder, um, things like that, you know, and then and, and even um coaching wise, you know, it's it's the same thing. It's it's the challenge, I think, I think, with coaching is is adapting, right? Mm-hmm. Like the the generation we have now is it's just, it's evolving like almost yearly.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: You know, the old style of coaching where it's hard nosed and slow pace and chewing kids out is kind of getting outdated, and mm-hmm. kind of need to be more of a a, a player's coach and connect with the people mm-hmm. and you know want the best for them and you know maneuver that way because now it's like the the is different. You know, it makes me feel old saying that, but it's true. <laughs> you know yep. um the way you gotta kids are like so good nowadays they're training five six seven days a week on the individual stuff their skill sets are like higher than ever mm-hmm. so you got to coach it just a little bit different you know so the adversity is keeping up with the times
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know so I'm, I'm always watching film and videos or watching games and seeing how i can adapt and then um and how i can connect with that generation of youth you know yep. i think that, that that's the biggest struggle but that's what makes it fun exactly. you know Exactly. Those struggles are, are, are what make things fun for, for coaches and some don't like handling it. But for me, I love it because, mm-hmm. th- again, that's where you navigate through networking and building relationships. You know, it's going through challenges. You know, that's it's like good things don't come easy. So it's like got to build on it, got to struggle a little bit. So um, those are the main challenges, you know, with, with, with coaching and playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but now uh, as you get older, you realize you want challenges,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, uh, because it helps build who you are, who you're going to be, or who your program is going to be.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, who was your favorite basketball player of all time?
1: Uh, Alan Iverson, for sure. Alan Iverson.
0: Nice. Yeah,
1: That's A lot awesome. of grit, short, undersized, yeah. pound for pound. You know, like probably the best player pound for pound. Can score at will. Um, just had a lot of grit, man. Like, that's what you want in a basketball player. It's mm-hmm. grit.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. that's, that's awesome you say that because, um, I know you're from California, so there's a lot of talent, a lot of people come from California, but um, yeah. Alan Iverson grew up about an hour away from where I'm at, Virginia Beach, so it's pretty crazy seeing him have a huge impact. And you hear a lot with NBA players and stuff, but it's just amazing to see that someone from this area has been able to make such an impact in in, in, in the sport of basketball and and through the people who play it. So For sure, man. Cool. And so, even
1: him, man, he's been through so much adversity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's it's crazy to see him pretty much him, to still um persevere like that. Yeah, uh, It's great to see, like, it's just a good story to follow. You know, I, I know he was like a bad image for the NBA, you know, wearing earrings and tall tees and yeah. few rags. But as a player, it's, it's what you want. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah.
0: Uh, Who's your favorite player currently in the league?
1: Oh, right now, currently at Dame Lillard for sure. Dame Lillard. Nice. Yeah. He's just ice cold, man. Like. His demeanor, like, the like Kobe had the interview where he was saying, like, that kid's not scared of anything. Yep. You know, he's ready to take on any challenge. He's He's been killing, man. I think that was his rookie,
0: um, his rookie year, too, when Kobe was talking about that. If I can his
1: remember. rookie year? Wow.
0: Yeah, so that's pretty crazy. Yeah,
1: kid's a star, man. And I love the fact that he's just going to stay where he's at. Mm. You know, like, he's not calling for his superstars to come over. Yeah. He's good staying in Portland, trying to win over there. Um, exactly. Humble dude, you know, he still represents Oakland. Like, it's really cool to see a guy... I can still hold it down with all this like noise. You yep. Know? Yep. Yeah. Yep.
0: Um, So your relationship um, with Kobe Bryant is pretty well documented and we've seen it through social media and everything and, and can see how big of an impact he has made in your life. Uh, can you let the listeners know what he has meant to you um, either as a coach and or player growing up?
1: Uh, to be honest, as a player growing up, uh, I never really enjoyed Kobe. To be completely honest, wow. uh, I grew up in the Bay Area, so I was always a Warriors fan. I mm-hmm. was in the Warriors were horrible, um, <laughs> so Lakers. Though, me and my dad, and my family, we, we we'd go to games to watch other players. So we would watch like <laughs> Allen Iverson, Tim Duncan, Kobe yeah. Bryant, Kevin Garnett. Tickets were cheap, you know. But when we go Laker game, I mean Laker Warrior games, it was like more Laker fans or Kobe fans than there were Warrior fans, mm. you know. Um, so. I I respected his game, but I just didn't like the Lakers or or him, just because um, as a young kid, it's like I don't like that team that keep beating us, yeah, you know, exactly. kind of thing. Exactly. Uh, but I respected his game, though. Man, he was cold for sure. Um, just watching him, you know, with that with the uh, number eight, Kobe with the fro, like <laughs> he was relent he was relentless. Yeah. Um, and as you get older, like I started to really enjoy his game a lot more and understand that how his cerebral his game was, and you know how efficient and clean he was. I really started to enjoy his game, but I really started to, um, I got to know him as a coach or a person. It, it really changed my perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to know him more as a coach or a person as opposed to the player. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool to see. Um, played against his, his mom, his girls team a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, rest in peace to the, to the girls and, mm-hmm. and Kobe. Um, played them a lot, man. Like, like in a two year span, probably like 12, 15 times. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it got really competitive and, we would always talk before and after games and he was drop gems on me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it really impacted my, my coaching. You know, I think the biggest thing he had impacted me was um, when we played him, I think for the first time in the championship, I was really big on running sets. You know, I ran a lot of Princeton stuff and Mm -hmm. a lot of Princeton sets and backdoor sets and uh, the point series stuff out of the Princeton offense. And it worked a lot, you know, for middle school girls, Mm -hmm. but it's like he kind of told me pretty much like you're coaching too much. And I was like, what do you mean? You know, He's like, let them figure it out. Mm. You know, put them in situations where they're gonna struggle and they need to figure it out. Mm. You know, uh, let them ask questions. Because in the Princeton offense, it's kind of set up where where they get open shots. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a backdoor cut and you get open layup. You know, or it's a flare out and you get an open shot. Uh, and I I realized that they're running sets. You know, more so to win games as opposed to develop. Mm. Right. When I was coaching, at, when I was a little bit younger, um, I thought it was just about winning games. But Kobe was telling me, you know. You got to pique their interest. You know, you got to ask them questions. You know, you got to let them ask questions. You got to let them critically think and figure things out. So, coaching wise, I definitely took a step back on X's and O's. And like I said, it goes back to Jimmy's and Joe's, you know, mm-hmm. or, you mm-hmm. know, the girls. Um, that was really the, the main thing that I learned from him. Uh, and, you know, he's the main thing is preaching excellence. You know, are they, are they, are you helping them achieve excellence every day? Like I said, you know, are they helping? are helping them reach their potential every day you know are they performing optimally every day you know th- that's the main thing are we getting their best every day mm. you know and um those are really things that i respect about him as a coach lots of times man he would just sit there you know with his like hands like clamped together and he's just letting them figure things out mm. you know sometimes he would call out sets and plays and stuff or a little coaching cues but for the most part he would let them figure it out mm. which is really cool to see um, it was a struggle for, for my whole program, boys and girls, in the first month or two because um, they're so used to the instruction. But mm-hmm. now, you know, um, there's so much benefit to it. You know, mm-hmm. they're critically thinking, they're calling out sets on their own, they're making reads on their own. Mm-hmm. So it's really, 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 really good to see that, um, that they can critically think on their own at 6th, 7th, 8th grade, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he, uh, he even taught me the triangle offense, you know. So oh. I implemented that to my boys and girls program and it was really good for them. Because uh, it's it's a, a read-based offense. Yep. You know, you have to make decisions. It's not just pass the point A to point B to point C, get a layup. It's like pass the point A, and here we have A1 or we'll
0: A2. Yep, exactly.
1: Yeah, you hit A2, then we have B1, B2, B3. And then what are you going to do, you know? So it was really cool to get them to figure it out. Um, and also, it's less stressful for me, man. I just sit back there and <laughs> like watch them play, you know, because to a point where, hey, if you guys mess it up, then you guys messed up. Like, yeah. let's figure it out. Yep. Yeah. Succeeded. Great. How can we do it better? Mm-hmm. You know? So it's always raising that bar. Um, yeah. And one thing, you know, it's competitive world was crazy, man. I, I loved it. Um, just walking in, you know, dapping him up before the game. Like you just feel it. You know, it's <laughs> like, I got like for me, like I, I know I'm playing that the night before, like, man, I gotta be on my a game. I gotta be ready. Like, yeah. I gotta get my subs right. My timeouts, right. My, my, uh, my quick hitters, right. You know, mm-hmm. my coaching's gotta be right. So it definitely brought the brought the best out in me, you know, that com- that competitive nature. So like I said, going back earlier, um, being competitive is is really what we're trying to do. Yep. You know, because it brings the best out in you, well, or me, and in turn, if it brings the best out of my coaching, then it probably going to bring the best out of my players. Exactly. You know, exactly. and it brings the best out of the players, then we can live with the results, whether we win or we lose. Yep. Uh, but they were going, man, like six days a week. They were getting really good, really fast, man. It was good. Was just, It was crazy to see because Kobe always preached that, you know, he was always about the extra work and, you know, the two days and whatnot. And you can see like his team literally embodying that. Taking that that on, yeah, yeah, it's really, really, really. It was really cool to see, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a sad time when when he passed away. Like we were at his facility, you know, at the Mamba Cup. Mm -hmm. We had a championship game at eleven, and he was playing at twelve. You know, midway through the game, like the news broke out, and it was like it was literally unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and like he was on his way there like where we all were you know it, yeah. it was crazy that's yeah
0: um so around around that um time period i think it was like a couple of days after and kind of putting a little more light onto it, it you there was this interaction you had with him you, you posted a video um post game um about the time both your teams had faced each other and at the post game handshake was captured and it was of i think kobe's team finally beating you um, yeah, and, yeah yeah and if you can kind of give the listeners through that uh, take listeners through that interaction, explain the video. Cause it was kind of pretty funny uh, to kind of yeah, see
1: that, man. Um, that was the first time he beat us after like five or six games <laughs> and um, game was super competitive. Like had my homies come and take pictures. Yeah. It was cool because like they came and took pictures and they actually ended up working with Kobe, like wow. side by side, yeah. you know? So that was really cool to see. And then watch that grow. Um, shout out Janine and Brandon. Um, but yeah, it was hilarious, man. Like, we, we played a horrible game. They played a good game. Um, it was getting super heated. The court was packed, as always. Mm-hmm. Um, and they beat us and daps me up. He whispers, like, quietly. He's like, we finally beat you Effers." And, <laughs> like, you could see, like, his assistant coach, Christina, laughing. And, yeah. like, it was great, man. Like, it's a big gym. So, like, he goes back into his room. And then um, I'm hanging out with both my parents from my program, all ages. And we're just yeah. chilling in the middle of the gym. And he walks up to us with bianca's baby and like wow. he's talking to us and talking joking around with the parents like it was really cool to see man
2: yeah
1: um but we did get him back the next day in the championship uh, in overtime we actually ended up beating them by two points wow. so uh, we got him <laughs> back and, and he was pissed but it, it, it was so competitive man like the, the the gym was packed like it was like 12 12 u girls basketball and like there was more people there than like a high school varsity game wow you that know, so a, it was great experience for my girls. to like. yeah. Oh, man, it was crazy. I, I got videos still of, like, the free throw, and, like, the whole baseline's packed with kids. Wow. And, like, the stands are all, like, loud, and the whole gym is watching. So it was a really cool experience for my girls to be in a situation. And it's, mm-hmm. like, um, being under that pressure and it's like, being able to execute. Uh, but, yeah, that second game was good. It was super competitive. Um, it's, yeah, it, it's crazy. Like, he knows, like, when he beat me, uh, that first day, he knows that like, coming back, like, we're going to come back with a vengeance. Yeah, so, yo. he was, like, super locked in, and it was, like, it was, it was good to be around that. Like, I've never been around someone that had that competitive aura yeah. before.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure, and you hear that a lot with all the stories that former athletes, former teammates, former people who know him just kind of... Everything, man. And that's
1: it. one thing that is very respectable about Kobe. Anyone that talks about Kobe, it's always the same stuff. Like, yep. it's so consistent with who he was, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. always pushing the people to be better, yep. you know, always finding ways to be better, you know, always questioning things, you know, always trying to be great. Like those are things that that's awesome to hear is like consistency with great character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Exactly.
0: Um, so before I let you go, um, I have our quick hitters, a uh, few questions that I just asked you and just as quickly as you can off the top of your head, just kind of give me what goes, what goes through your mind first. Um, yes, so the, the first thing we're going to start, we'll start off with is, uh, Favorite musical artist you're listening to right now?
1: Oh, right! Literally, right now. I actually just downloaded "No Ceilings" again. Oh literally. wow! <laughs> nice. So that they just re-released that on that um, most platforms. So that that. that 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 mixtape was fire! Like every beat, every song at yeah. on point. They don't have all songs; they have twelve songs. But I literally just downloaded this morning. and have been playing it Dang, all day since.
0: Nice. i I'll have to get that. I didn't know that. Um, favorite spot to eat in all of California. So not just SoCal, but also NorCal. Your one, your one best spot.
1: Man, there's this place called Three Brothers back, uh, back in the Bay where I'm from. Mm -hmm. Uh, I go there almost every time I visit. I've been going there since I was like, man, since I was like in diapers. (laughs) So it's a spot. I go there with all my family, um, and the homies, like after church, uh, Chinese food. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So I mean there's so much food in and especially here in SoCal, but that place just has so many memories for so long. Like gotcha. whenever I go there, like I link up with my cousins or my brothers or mm-hmm. my aunts and uncles. So it's always a good time. and got the good memories and the food's great. A lot of MSG and fried <laughs> stuff. So yeah. Definitely three <laughs> That's brothers. The good stuff, right? Three <laughs> brothers to pleasant yes.
0: health. Yeah. Cool. Uh favorite food to snack on?
1: Uh man. Fresh baked cookies.
0: Mm that's the best yeah i just
1: thing. i just ate a batch i just literally ate 12 cookies <laughs> literally sad. like at like five o'clock i ate 12 cookies man white chocolate macadamia <laughs> fresh out the oven yeah so Whew. i have a sweet tooth exactly uh, yeah. i'm trying to eat healthy lately but i gotta get the cookies in at yeah least for sure for sure
0: <laughs> and you're and you working out so they'll just burn right off you're good yeah exactly <laughs>
1: it's, it's a good balance yeah
0: <laughs> uh what's your biggest pet peeve
1: uh late people
0: Mm yeah that's, for that's sure. definitely a coach answer right there
1: definitely definitely
0: <laughs> um so in well in terms of basketball and coaching what's your biggest pet peeve on in that terms
1: um people cheating during practice like not touching the line mm. not giving their all mm. you know it's like if you're gonna cheat in the line like what else are you cheating on you it's know nice. if you're not giving your all like what else are you slacking on like how much better can you be you mm. know so my guys i kid guys out of practice for not touching the line mm. you know um, like literally just kick them out, you know, um, those are little things that my biggest pet peeve is that. Yeah.
0: Mm, that's a good one. Um, if you played in the NBA today, who would your game resemble the most? So not thinking about Ooh. like your, you shoot as good as Steph, but like if just resembling resemblance,
1: uh, probably Rondo, to be honest. Mm, okay. Well, not Rondo now, but yeah, <laughs> just, you know, pass first, like yeah. trying to set guys up, you know, talking a little bit of crap here and there and, <laughs> Um, hitting some little floaters, yeah. jump shot shaky, but <laughs> my guys come first.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good one. Um, if you were in the NBA today, what number would you wear and why?
1: Um, 32, 32 or three. I was wear thirty two because of uh Magic Johnson and Jason Kidd, so okay. I've been wearing that number since forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, probably thirty two. I stick with thirty two, and I wore three because AI. Yeah, you know, so either of those, I'm good with. Nice.
0: Um, The last question, and this is a universal question that I've asked all my guests, uh, is a hot dog a sandwich? Why or why not?
1: A hot dog is not a sandwich, I don't think. I just figured a hot dog is a hot dog. Never called it a sandwich, actually.
0: But, like, the, that's it's kind of weird because you have the two sandwich, pieces of bread. Yeah, so, that you're sticking it I don't that know, <laughs> but, but,
1: but the hot dog bun is still together, isn't it?
0: I know, but let's say you do just cut it off. Does it become a sandwich like that?
1: right yeah no i never. not i wouldn't put it as a sandwich okay not so. classified as a sandwich um just just i never thought about that but right now i would say nah <laughs> all right
0: sounds good i'll have to tie that up so after i get a good a good um um sample i'll be able to tally all this all that data up. yeah
1: i'm gonna i'm gonna hit, hit the homies up tonight at the gym and say and ask them <laughs> so, yeah there's a good know. five or six guys there so i'm gonna uh, awesome. definitely check that
0: sweet um, yeah, so before I let you go, do you have any, uh, I'll let you kind of talk about any social media follows you want to shout out or, um, for, for the listeners to kind of follow or anything like that.
1: Yeah, for sure. You can follow my basketball program at we underscore R1 hoops, or you can follow my page at Josh Lozano underscore. Um, I want to thank you, man, for, for allowing me give me this time, mm-hmm. uh, to just share and chop it up. You know, I love doing this kind of stuff just because, um, it's great to hear different perspectives, Yeah. you know? For so. Sure. Thank you, man. appreciate that. Oh, um, shout out to homies, you know, and my business partner, and Dr. Dunks and the Creatine crew uh, getting in the lab every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, hope everyone out there stays safe during this COVID time. You know, focus on your mental health. Um, stay physically in shape. Mm-hmm. You know, and most importantly, arrest the crop, cops that kill Brianna Taylor and mm. get justice for Jacob Blake. You know, exactly. um, can't push out enough. You know, it's, it's getting crazy right now, and you know, we need the unity and togetherness and um, and love being spread. Mm-hmm. So, love to everyone. I think Steve Jackson said it: "Love for all." Who have love for all?
0: Mm, that's a good one. Um, yeah. I was gonna ask for advice or a quote, but that's. I think that we can just leave it there. That was, that was, that was good. Um,
1: yeah, that's what I'm hanging on to right now. Love for all. Who have love for all, man? I love that.
0: Awesome. Um, But yeah, I mean, you, you you were able to say everything. I just want to say thank you again uh, for your time tonight, coach. Uh, I truly appreciate it. Uh, And thank you for everything you've done for your community and using basketball as your vehicle, you know, to help make a difference to our youth. Um, Like I said earlier, through the power of social media, Um, I've been able to see what you've been doing out there these past few years, and you have, like I said, indirectly made a positive impact in my life and starting this organization and being that model organization that I kind of look to and see how how you guys are kind of running things from the outside looking in. Um, I truly wish there were more coaches and humans like you in this world, and it's great to see all the amazing things you continuously do out there in California. I hope to link up sometime in the future, and best of luck to you, your program, and your school this upcoming year.
1: Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Thank you, man. Yep. You
0: too. Stay safe out there.
1: All right. All right.
0: That concludes another episode of the Breaking Barriers basketball podcast. I want to thank Coach Josh Lozano again for taking the time and being our guest for today and having a great conversation talking about hoops and what it means to positively shape the youth. Again, I'm Coach Daniel Diaz. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Coach D. Diaz. And if you're not following the Breaking Barriers Basketball Instagram yet, you can follow us at at Breaking Barriers Basketball and visit our website, www.BreakingBarriersBasketball.com. Feel free to contact us anytime. That's all we have for today's episode. We hope you all continue to stay safe out there.